It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405 362 to eight on today's show brought to you by built bar go to builtbar.com use promo code locked on get 20 percent off your next order we're going to talk about the thunder's thrilling win over the brooklyn nets as the road trip concludes with a four and one record on the trip for oklahoma city and also dive into the g league season which is of great importance to oklahoma city which we'll get to later on. But let's start with that Nets game. And as we always do, we'll start with the game overview. Ty Jerome was out again, obviously still in Oklahoma City with that left ankle sprain. Uh, Nick Claxton was out and Tyler Johnson was out as is Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, who is, of course, out for the season for Brooklyn. Brooklyn was also without Kyrie Irving, but Kevin Durant did play. The former Warrior was able to suit up tonight against Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City came into this matchup 15-7 against the Nets all time. They were also on a four-game winning streak coming into this game against the Brooklyn Nets. The last time the Nets beat Oklahoma City was in Mexico City uh, with, the, with the famous Kyle Singler game where Russell Westbrook slaps the, the hair out of the bun of Kyle Singler. Uh, but this game starts out very slow. And once again, we, we saw the same storyline repeat itself where the bench unit comes in and erases a 15-point lead and gets them within one. And eventually, of course, Oklahoma City takes the lead. But the bench comes in and erases a 15-point lead by Brooklyn. And once again, we're seeing what is described as the worst bench in the league. And I still think they're probably the worst bench in the league. But 
this last week, they've came up so big for the Thunder, and it was no different in this one. I mean, Oklahoma City just seemingly always has a run in them. I mean, think about this game in particular. If you watch this game in the midst of the NFL postseason and all of that, you know that in the first quarter, much as the Nets did, everyone thought the game was over. I mean, the, the Nets go up 15 points, and... In this game, as the first quarter concludes, Shea has 14 points. He's just absolutely schooled Kevin Durant about three times in one quarter. And that is what Thunder fans were rallying behind. Me, myself, I am guilty of it too. I I was on Twitter saying, hey, you know what? They're probably going to lose this game, but it's a win-win because you not only lose, which betters your odds to get the top overall pick, but Shea absolutely embarrasses Kevin Durant for a couple possessions in a row. So that's a fun little thing to take, take away. And then the Thunders go on their miraculous run. They always seem to have that second gear in them to get back into a game. I mean, it it doesn't matter what the score is. There's been few and far between games, the New Orleans game in Oklahoma City and the Heat game in Miami. Those are the only games in which the Thunder did not have a run in them, a secondary run. And even in that game against New Orleans and Oklahoma City, remember, that was a 12-point game with like five minutes to go with no B.I., with no Zion, with no Steven Adams, and they did not put in their starters to, to make that game even closer than it was. You know, it was it was obtainable. It was either 12 points in 5 minutes or 5 points in 12 minutes, which I think was actually 5 points in 12 minutes. But nonetheless, it was not a dramatic blowout the way the scoreboard says it was. Now, the Miami game, obviously, was a huge blowout. But that's the only game in which the Thunder did not have that time where you consider the game over, and then you look up, and, oh my gosh, the Thunder within 4 points here. And the Thunder being able to do this has been impressive so far. And you cannot get any further in this podcast without talking about Shea. Because not only did Shea have those amazing possessions and what she's doing an up and under against Kevin Durant, and and he is just schooling the Brooklyn Nets, making shots over KD. He is playing at an all-star level. Shea, we talked about most improved player before the year started. But at this point, Shea is playing at an all-star level. And that needs to be said because... What he's doing is nothing short of incredible. And in this game, you got to see Shea's IQ put on display. You saw how great he was when he realizes the matchups he's on. When he's on Jeff Green or whenever he gets a switch on to Jared Allen, he just adjusts his game accordingly. In the blink of an eye, inside that moment and inside that play, he's able to make changes and adaptations to his game to better benefit Oklahoma City. And that is something that cannot be understated from a not only in in, in general 22-year-old, but a 22-year-old who has seen so many things change around him throughout his NBA career to this point. Every single year, he's dealing with another huge obstacle in his way, and he's still mature, he's still wise beyond his years and playing with an impeccable basketball IQ uh, that just cannot be understated. You can attribute this to Chris Paul or whoever, but... Make no mistake about it, Shea is playing in an all-star level right now. I know there's no all-star game, but you can imagine that the NBA will still announce who would have made the all-star team. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. That's at least some content for you know that, that kind of week off you get in March. It is incredibly hard to make the all-star team in general, much less as a guard in the Western Conference. But Shea is, is doing the things that need to be done. In this game, he goes for 31 points, does so on 68% from the floor. Shea missed five shots tonight. We talked about it on the last postgame pod, but his efficiency is just jaw-dropping. 60% from the floor, 50% from beyond the arc, 
and 87% from the line. He got six rebounds, seven assists, two steals, a block in this game, and only had two turnovers. The amount of turnovers he has compared to his usage is phenomenal. And forget about for a young guy, for any player that has the usage and responsibility that Shea has to only have about three, you know, two turnovers here, three turnovers there each night is incredible. The fact that you're not banking on Shea having five turnovers is amazing. And that plays back into his basketball IQ to get you to that point where for a young guard, again, if he had five turnovers tonight or any night, you wouldn't really bat an eye. I mean, that is a big number in a vacuum, but whenever you put into context all the things that you have to do for Shea, if he would have had five turnovers, it would have been fine. But the fact that he's not having those high turnover games at a high clip very often has to be encouraging for his future development as this lead point guard. And you have to give credit as we're talking about Shea making this leap. We're talking about Dort making a leap from beyond the arc going two for three. We're talking about Baisley's defensive efforts. You have to give credit as you are giving credit to Shea and Dort and Baisley for making these improvements to the coaching staff and to, to Mark Dagnott, who Shea says he loves playing for. And Shea mentions how much he trusts Mark and how much that Mark fuels this team. And you're seeing that trust given back to the players as well. I mean, you're seeing it with with Shea controlling the offense night in and night out. You're also seeing it tonight whenever there's that foul call on Darius Baisley when he can test the Kevin Durant jumper, and Mark does not get a chance to even look at the replay. He simply asks Darius Baisley, look, what did you see? Should I challenge this? And the response from Baisley triggered the the challenge, and, and I asked Mark to confirm this. Mark did confirm that the only reason that He challenged it It because he told me that Shea and Baisley told him to challenge it, so he did it. And he mentioned to me how the maturity it takes from Baisley to compose himself after that foul and to communicate with Mark in that short window. You only have a finite amount of time to challenge a call. And I think that that's an interesting point for Mark because think of how many times you're watching a guy like Patrick Beverly just, just elbow a guy in the face and then complain to the ref whenever he calls a foul. Like, those kind of players exist. And for a second-year player like Darius Spaisley to be composed enough to say, look, I don't think I fouled them at all. I'm being genuine with you. I think you should challenge it. And to be able to, to communicate his point across to Mark in a calm and confident manner is big. And it's big for his defensive IQ even, knowing what the ref will be looking for on the replay. And so... I think that you're seeing the trust on both ends, right? You're seeing the trust from the players to Mark on the court. And then off the court, you just saw how much Mark trusts these guys and their maturity and their decision-making. Another thing that I found interesting about that question and about Mark's response was whenever Mark said that on the road, you know, you don't really get the replays. Like, it's something I don't think that we've considered a lot about, but like the in-arena jumbotron might not show the replay of the play you want to challenge in a timely enough manner. And so you really only have the word of the players to go by. So I'd be interested to see what the percentages are, like how how often coaches win a challenge at home versus how often they win it on the road because of that factor of just not knowing what the replay even looks like if you're not having the Jumbotron show you before you get to put that green light on. I want to talk more about Shea and the youngsters. I also want to talk about this game as a whole uh, because I think that it was an interesting one for the Thunder's future. But I do want to tell you first about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a phenomenal protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get 20% off your next order. 
And they have six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They are soft and easy to chew with a 100% real chocolate on the outside, making them taste just like a candy bar, even though they're a protein bar. They are great for the health conscious person, losing or maintaining weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Try them today by going to builtbar.com using promo code locked on. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Promo code locked on, 20% off your next order at builtbar.com. Check out that cookies and cream built bar. That's my absolute favorite. So let me know what you think of it whenever you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on for 20% off your next order. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I want to tell you right now, when this show is over, head on over to Locked On Bets. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports, and they're going to be picking for you college basketball, football, and NFL locks all winter long. So subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts from, brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag. So I want to talk now about Hemdu Diallo, who comes off the bench and just gives you massive minutes. He is a scoring machine inside of New York City. The man puts up 25 points tonight, uh, gets four steals on the defensive end, which we'll talk about one of those steals in a second. Gets four assists in this one offensively, three rebounds all defensively, went four for four from the line, which is a big deal for Diallo because with his ability to get to the rim, you're going to hope that that starts to generate with him more getting more opportunities at the free throw line. It got him eight opportunities the other night, four tonight, and you want him to be able to knock those shots down at the line. So he goes four for four tonight. One for four from beyond the arc. None of those four threes, in my opinion, were egregiously bad. Like, none of them were him just jacking it up as a heat check type thing. Uh, But he goes one for four anyway. And then goes 10 for 14 from the floor. He shoots 71%. And if you would have told me that at any point this year, Diallo would shoot 71% from the floor. I just wouldn't have believed you, you know, coming into the season. And again, I want to reiterate, it is too early, even through these three games, to make a determination on if Diallo has turned the corner in his development, if he has made that leap. But as Mark says, that development is not linear. So you also should not give up on him. And if you had given up on him, uh, should kind of reevaluate that. But again, I'm not going to say that you were absolutely wrong for giving up on him or that opinions about him need to change just based on these three games. What I will say, though, is that it's very fun to watch while it lasts. And what I will also say is a reason why it could last is because we're seeing him do things he's never really done before, right? This is not just him catching fire with his jump shot. Uh, The jump shot will never be a consistent weapon for him. He's gotten something to fall down the last couple of nights, but that's not been the sole 
the sole driving force of his production. It's been a part of his production, production, but not the only reason. And you're seeing him have the game slow down for himself. The first three, four games, he was simply trying to do too much. You could tell he took too much pride in being on that second unit. He took too much pride in being the veteran on that second unit and the guy that was going to instill thunder culture, and he wanted to do it all by himself. And that's just not the player he is. And he realizes that, and he takes a step back, and he starts to play better basketball. He starts to let the game come to him. And this is a part of his game we've not seen before. And I think that on one of those four steals, it was very clear the stride he had made in that category, right? Because he was having a great night. I believe it was his his fourth and final steal. He gets a steal, and he pokes the ball away from Kevin Durant, and he has a one-on-one matchup where he doesn't have the ability, he doesn't have the angle to blow by, I believe it was Karis LeVert, to blow by Karis LeVert to go to the rim. And so instead of just forcing it, and instead of just trying to do it anyway, he realized the situation, he realized that even though it's a one-on-one opportunity, he does not have the angle to take this himself and he pulls the ball out he regroups the offense and gets them into a half court set the old Himno Diallo and by old I mean you know three games ago would not have done that he would have just put his head down had a full head of steam going to the rim and just forced up any sort of shot he could that awareness from Diallo is something we've never seen before and I'm going to say it again because I, I do believe it again that this is the best Hamadou Diallo game you're going to get all year. And I'm laughing because if you've listened to this show before, you know that the last three games I've been saying this. And I mentioned on last postgame podcast that if I keep saying it, he's going to keep outdoing himself. So I'm going to have to keep saying this the entire season. And for his sake, I hope he does do it again. I'll have to say this again on Tuesday's recap show. But this is the best you're going to get from Diallo. And the fact of the matter is, This is his first time having back-to-back 20-point games. You don't even need 25 points a night from Diallo. You don't need that. You don't need even 90% of what he's been doing so far. He is on an impeccable hot streak. But the only thing that needs to be sustainable for him is cutting down the jump shots and relaxing with the basketball. In this game, he has zero turnovers. So if he protects the basketball, if he cuts down the jump shots, the rest will fall into place and you'll see the productivity. You'll see 15, you know, 10, 15 points a night. You'll see that from a bench unit guy. Now, he got to close this game with the starters. And I wonder if this week you see Diallo in the starting lineup. Because when you look at the week ahead, the Thunder played Tuesday and Wednesday, the Spurs and the Lakers. You would imagine for the Wednesday game against LA, you're going to bench Horford and Hill, just like you did on the first back-to-back. And so in that case, would you rather start Justin Jackson or Diallo? And I think that this is the first time that we're going to see Something from Mark Dagnott that we can pin down as repeatable, right? Because you go back to the first back-to-back. And in that first back-to-back, he starts Isaiah Roby at center, not Mike Muscala. And whenever I saw that, I thought of Rick Carlisle, who often does this, right? He often does not take his backup position and elevate them to the starter. He'll go to this third string and make them the starter and play them 15 minutes in that single night, and he'll have them start the game, play 10 minutes, start the second half, play five minutes, and then go back to his normal rotation. Basically, he'll have his third stringers be the minute eaters with that starting group. That way, his bench unit is not impacted by the loss of that starter. And so Mark did the exact same thing against Orlando whenever he elevates Isaiah Roby and Justin Jackson into the starting group and not Mike Muscala and Hamadou Diallo 
Instead, he plays Jackson and Roby, who at that point had not played a single minute in this season. I think with the hot streak that Diallo's on right now, if Diallo does not start on the second night of the back-to-back against LA, then you're going to see that this is a pattern and this is a strategy that Mark truly believes in. If you're starting lineup on Wednesday without Horford or Hill, again, you can imagine they're not going to start both nights of a back-to-back. Whichever night that those two sit out, if you're not seeing Diallo in that lineup and instead you're seeing Jackson, I think that you can comfortably imagine that he's going to take that page from Rick Carlisle the rest of his coaching career. So that'll be a fun storyline to follow throughout this week. I, I just think that after Diallo closes with the starters tonight in the clutch, after that happens, if you still do not start him whenever you're downhill in Horford, then I think that you can just make a huge assumption about the patterns moving forward for Mark's rotation when you run up to situations like this on the back-to-back or with injuries and things like that. Also, shout-out to Lou Dort, who keeps his three-point streak alive. He's made one in every single game this season, goes two for three from beyond the arc, and his threes really elevate uh, this game for Oklahoma City, and then he's a big part of why they won this game. Uh, Baisley, you got to feel for him a little bit defensively, but this is what he asked for, right? I mean, he's asked for these challenges, and he's answered the call pretty well. The last four games, Darius Baisley has had to defend Jimmy Butler, Zion Williamson, Julius Randle, and Kevin Durant. Those are four very different skill sets that Baisley has been tasked with slowing down. And he loves it. He, he loves that side of the floor, and he's after these challenges, and you just love having a young player that has that defensive intensity, along with Lou Dort, who, by the way, is one of the best defenders we've ever seen. So it's going to be a fun group here as they start to develop. I want to still talk about Isaiah Roby and talk about Al Horford as well as the G League bubble. And also what this game means, of course, for the Tang, because we have to do this now every single night after the team wins. But right now, head on over to betonline.ag. Are you ready for some football? The divisional round is here this weekend after the Super Wildcard weekend wrapped up on Sunday. My Chiefs are going to be hosting the Cleveland Browns if this 28-7 score holds. So check that out on betonline.ag. I'm sure Kansas City will be favored. So you can bet on that you can bet on any other NBA game around the association, any other NFL playoff game around the league. You can bet on the national championship game tonight in college football, and you can even bet on regular season college basketball right now. There's a lot to get to, so do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Do not forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus. But online is your online sportbook experts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. On tomorrow's show, we're going to recap the G League draft and preview the game against the San Antonio Spurs as Oklahoma City finally returns home. We will have a post-game podcast on Wednesday for the 
Spurs game on Thursday for the Lakers game. And then we're going to recap the week on Friday with a stock watch Friday. Whose stock are we selling? Whose stock are we buying? And also take you around the association to see how the Thunder are stacking up. That is all to come on the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So I want to talk now about Al Horford, who had, I think, the best game of his Oklahoma City career. Plays almost 30 minutes, goes 50% from the floor, 42% from deep, and he also gets six rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block on his way to 22 points. He made his impact felt in this one. I think that you're seeing the best of Al Horford, and you still have room for improvement with George Hill. I think that there was times where George Hill looked hesitant, especially at the end of the first half, where he has a beautiful handoff from Al Horford, an open shot, could have gone two for one, doesn't take it. Instead, he tries the Tony Parker, let's just run in circles for a little bit and hope that we find a way around the defense, and it wastes a whole Thunder possession. I still think that there's improvements to be made from George Hill, and you're seeing Al Horford start to grow into the role he's going to be. Now, Al Horford's not going to be 22 points a night, but he's also going to be closer to that in terms of his overall felt impact on the court, what he was these last couple of games here. And shout out Isaiah Roby. 19 points in this game. I never left Isaiah Roby Island. I never cut him in any of my four roster projections. And he delivers. Again, he goes two for four from beyond the arc, five for seven from the floor. He nails a free throw on the end one attempt after getting fouled at the rim. Five rebounds, 13 points, some solid defense inside in a game in which there was hardly any defense being played in this one. And Roby steps up as Mike Muscala does not play in this game. He was dressed and available to play in this game, but he just could not give it a go after having that rib contusion the other day. I think that Mark kind of said it best. You know, he said it without saying it, that uh, Mike was there in case of emergency. And so Roby stepped up nicely. They did not need Mike. And Mark even said that they've planned this, right? That they, even, even before Mike got hurt, they talked with him about finding a game somewhere in this schedule where they don't use him as a backup and they have to find a way to piece together a big man rotation without him. And they did that tonight with Isaiah Roby. He played some very impactful minutes. Could not be more happy for Isaiah Roby. The Thunder knock off Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets 129 to 116. The Thunder are the worst offense in the NBA and they put up 129 points against Brooklyn. I was one who fell for Brooklyn the first couple games of the year, but they have to play better defense than that. You, you cannot let the Thunder score 129 points, which brings me to the tanking conversation of the night, which we need a sponsor for now at this point because we're going to have one every single night. But the Thunder conclude this road trip. Now, put away the tanking, right? Put, put away the preconceived notions about this team before the season. This team just went on the road on a five-game road trip and come back home four and one, and they did so on the backs of the young building blocks. That's impressive no matter how you slice it, no matter what your expectations are, and no matter how bad you want Cade Cunningham. But what's key in here is the fact that it was all from your young building blocks. This four and one record means nothing if it's due to the fact that George Hill and Al Horford are dragging your team by the ear to this record. But instead, George Hill and Al Horford are playing backseat complementary roles to the likes of Shea, Diallo, Baisley, and Dort. If these guys are playing so far above their expectation level that you're able to compete, then so be it. For now, enjoy these wins by the young players. 
because I keep saying it every night. That's the best Diallo game you're going to get. So we can imagine Diallo will regress. Baisley's been inconsistent offensively. Lou Dort has been stable in his role. I still do not think that this roster is constructed in which you get a ton of wins on this season. So enjoy these moments. Enjoy the flashes you're seeing from these young guys. And look, if they do sustain this, if Shea continues to be an all-star and Shea drags you to the postseason, or heck, even drags you to the play-in game, that would not only take Shea being the most improved player, Shea being an all-star, and Shea elevating his game to where you start to have the conversation of, what if he is the number one piece around the championship contending team? It would not only take that, it would take a sustained leap from Diallo. It would take Baisley finding offensive consistency. It would take Lou Dort staying stable when shooting the three-point shot. And it would also take Mark Dagg not being the next great boy wonder coach in the NBA, the next Brad Stevens, the next Nick Nurse, which I think it can be, by the way. But if it takes all of that for you to get to the postseason and then you do it, that is a good thing for the rebuild, even if it means losing out on Cade Cunningham. But again... Let's relax a second, because even though you're 5-4 and four right now, even though you're one of the few teams above 500, even as you have better records than the Raptors and the Nets and all that good stuff, I still think this team trades George Hill. That loses you some production. Still going to lose your fair share of games. But those are all just predictions. Just as if you think this team is going to go to the playoffs, it's a prediction. What matters here is the fact that Oklahoma City is in a pretty good spot. Because even if you do win... Too many games, right? In my opinion, you want to get as close to the top four as you can in terms of where you're going to be at lottery night. Lottery night, you would ideally want the Thunder to be somewhere between one and four entering the night. Because why wouldn't you just give yourself the best odds you can entering the lottery? However, with the new lottery odds, you're seeing teams like New Orleans in the Zion draft leap up. And so how awful would it feel if you're, you know, pick number one entering the night, and then all of a sudden you fall to pick three or whatever and some team leapfrogs you. I mean, it's just so unpredictable and so silly the way that the NBA does the lottery system. Nothing is guaranteed on either side. I still think this team is going to tank. I still think that this team will have a bad record at the end of the year, but for now, they're playing their good basketball. Tanking teams have good moments of basketball. All of them do. And usually they come you know, in the middle of the season or you know, way late in the season or way early in the season. They, they all come in these different pockets, right? And your pocket happens to be at the forefront of the season when the most people are paying attention. Your pocket could have easily came late March or late April. But no matter what, just enjoy the fact that this is all due to your young, your young players. Enjoy the fact that your young players are the ones stepping up. It's Dort, it's Basley, it's Shea, it's Diallo, it's Isaiah Roby having a night that's what matters. Along with the losses, along with trying to better your odds, what matters is how all those guys take a leap. And if Shea wants to play with his hair on fire, and Shea wants to just come out firing on all cylinders, score 31 points, get so animated the way we've never seen him be animated before, then I'm fine with it, and I'm ready to rock and roll. The MVP of the game is, of course, Shea. Shea just is incredible tonight. Diallo, a really, really close second. The bet of the game outcome, I had Oklahoma City plus 8.5. I won that bet. Moneyball outcome, after a two-game winning streak, I am losing again. I picked Darius Baisley. It did not pay off. I want to tell you right now about the G League season real quick. So this will be a shortened season in the Disney World bubble. Uh, the start date will be around February 8th. We still have to wait on the full schedule. 11 affiliates have opted out of the bubble. 
uh, but they can loan their players to teams who have opted into the bubble. Uh, there will be about 12 games being played prior to the single elimination playoff tournament. Still don't know the exact number of games. Could be more than 12, but I think that that's going to be the minimum is at least 12 games uh, on the schedule prior to the postseason. The G League draft is today at noon, on Monday at noon. Uh, the G League draft will open. Here's the thing. It'll be like, if you're a baseball fan, the MLB Rule 5 draft where teams do not have to make a selection. You can go, for example, the blue are on the clock, and the blue can say, we're going to pass. We do not want to draft any player. If you do draft a player, much like the Rule 5 draft in baseball, in the Rule 5 draft in baseball, you can pass on your selection, but if you make a selection, they must be on your roster the entire season. If they're not, they get returned to the player that, to the team that you drafted them from. Nonetheless, in the, G League, in the G League draft, if you draft a player, that player must be on your roster and must report to the Disney World bubble. And so in this G League season, you're also going to get a look at the G League Ignite team, which is going to be host of a plethora of first-round talent. You're going to see Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, the big ones who can go in the top five of this draft and will go in the top five of this draft. Also, Deshaun Nix has been having a phenomenal time in those scrimmages. Isaiah Todd, someone who had a lot of steam whenever he first signed with the G League, uh, and it's kind of cooled off a bit. Uh, recently, but we'll see what he can do as he bounces back into the limelight inside the bubble. I've got a chance to talk to all these guys. I really like Jalen Green. I really like Jonathan Kaminga as top prospects in this draft if you do miss out on Cade Cunningham. For the blue, you're going to see a lot of names reappear. For example, Yort Seven, who just for some reason everyone was in love with whenever he signs the Exhibition 10 with Oklahoma City. He'll be going to the blue, and he will be on the roster if he elects to participate inside the bubble. I do not foresee the Thunder sending any players to the bubble. I, I don't see them sending Josh Hall or Moses Brown or Poku to the bubble. I just don't. Not really a reason to, but that's not confirmed. That's just a prediction. There's going to be over 350 players who enter the draft pool or already have their rights on a, a G League squad and only 170 roster spots available. Uh, so, a lot of good players are going to be left out of this G League bubble. A lot of talent will be left out from the bubble. But entering the draft, here's some names to watch for get drafted. Leangelo Ball is the big one. Isaiah Moss, who we talked to on this podcast. Go back and listen to that podcast uh, before the draft and hear Isaiah Moss's story to the 2020 NBA draft. Michael Beasley, Isaiah Briscoe, Mario Chalmers, uh, Tristan Doolittle from Oklahoma, Shabazz Muhammad, Emeka Okafor, Lance Stevenson, Alonzo Trier, Justin Patton, Oklahoma City Thunder legend, Oklahoma City Thunder legend Admiral Schofield, and Lindy Walters III from Oklahoma State. The Thunder will be in good position, or the Blue, I should say, will be in good position to draft Leangelo Ball if they want to, as they do have, I believe, the seventh pick in this draft. I'll be keeping you up to date with what the, the what the Thunder and what the Blue do in this G League draft on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. So follow me over there. We're going to recap the draft and talk about what we know about the roster on tomorrow's show, as well as preview the game against San Antonio Spurs. Subscribe to Locked on Thunder wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.